This is a Polar Star Podcast. My name is Lee Nason, and thank you for hitting play on my show today. This is the Polar Star Podcast, where I have conversations with artists, entertainers, and business owners that call Maine home. Today, it is my pleasure to share with you the conversation that I had with Mo Owale. Mo is a very talented stand-up comic, even though he isn't quite comfortable calling himself that yet. We discuss how growing up in Portland with a single immigrant mother has given him a pretty unique take on the world. You'll hear that he has a few reasons he could be cynical, yet he continues to believe that people deserve a fair shake and a leg up when they need one. I think that being service-minded will bring Mo as far as he wants to go. He's a very nice man, and I always have a great time when we get together. I hope you find this show as a passable way to spend your time. Please subscribe where you listen and tell a friend, and check out all the shows that we have to offer at PolarStarPodcast.com. I am working on a show with Tim Duffy. It's called A Better Tomorrow, and you can follow him at A Better Tomorrow on Instagram and Twitter. We'll have a release date coming through there very soon. I think you'll enjoy it. I've had a great time working with Tim and all the guests that we've been lucky enough to have in so far. That's quite enough for me. Here's Mo Awale. Yeah, let's get into it. Uh, Mo, thank you for being here. I thank really you for appreciate having it. Me. Uh, thank you. So you've been here a few times. Uh, we'll tease that. I mean, we've teased. We've did some public teasing teasing the public uh, about Tim's show. <laughs> yeah. And you came in, uh, you helped us out. We shot a test with Tim, with you, and then you came and did a, a, a proper Dude, episode. Dude, with COVID right now, like, I, a conversation? Yeah, take me out of my apartment. Thank you. <laughs> Dude, it felt, I feel like it's it's felt like, because I'm a responsible human being, like, it, it's felt like, uh, like solitary confinement, like I'm in the fucking shoe. Because really? I work from home. Yeah. So I don't leave. Okay. And like when people invite you out, I'm always like, well, restaurants, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but a podcast, I can talk about me. Fuck yeah. Let's go. Right. Let's do it. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I, you. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. Yeah. Um, I'm, gl- I'm just glad you see, you know, exactly what I'm trying to do here and you appreciate it. So yeah. I think it's cool. You have a cool space. Um, and I think right now with comedy, yeah. the way it is right now, you have a lot of narcissists who need a mic and well, need it. <laughs> so uh, i actually got less response than i thought i would like i reached out to a few people and was like do you want to do a show because i didn't i didn't think i wanted i didn't think i was going to host anything i just wanted to produce and i built this i did this whole thing because i want to learn how to produce podcasts and so i so in order to do that you know try to team up with some people who i think would be into that and i got a lot less interest than i than i was anticipating I think what happens with that is um, there's there's a trust issue when people are bringing on shows. I got that. There's a huge trust issue. I did, and I understand it. And mind you, I'm not a veteran of, of the industry. If the of that industry, I did. I was lucky. Like I just did stand up. I did the open mics, and then like Joe DeShane was like, "Mo, we're gonna get you on some shows." And like, yeah, I got really close with. I want to talk about all of that. I want to talk about. So I want to. I kind of want to get into how you got into that because you're a young man 
you have you have a little bit of a backstory. I don't want to cover what we what we talk about on Tim's show. Really, you know, it's a different topic. Uh, I don't want to be quite so quite quite as heavy, or uh, you know, I want to keep it keep it a little lighter. But I was gonna say it just to Please. finish that thought. Sorry. Um, no, no, you're cool. Um, that um, even though I don't have that experience, I totally know what you mean because you gotta like as soon as like Tim's show comes out and like maybe like some other stuff, like I think you're gonna see more people ask you to okay. do stuff locally just because they're going to see it and they're going to be like, Oh, there's this space. And that's, I think it's really admirable that you're doing that. That's really cool. On my end too. I'd want to, I want to help other engineers learn this producing skill as well, you know, and team. And, and if like not just comics are not just kind of on camera talent, but the behind the camera stuff, if you want to learn that part, come come over you know i want to teach you because i can't handle everything myself either you know that's the community that i really want to build here i want to i want to you know help people learn production and i want to help people get in front of cameras and stay on microphones and keep the audience together and and so yeah that's kind of in my big picture here but has like twitch or live streaming come into play for you have you thought about that well, we are sponsoring um, the Dogfish stream that we were talking about. That's as far as I've gone with live streaming. Um, if if somebody wanted to do live streams or do live streams to kind of promote their, their show, I'm game for that 100%. But d- d- having something live streamed, I'd be more comfortable with editing involved. Yeah. I want to keep a show tight, you know? Ex- yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Because, like, I'd listen to elon musk even though i'm not the greatest fan for like three hours unedited on uncut just to listen to what he'd say but i don't know if that would apply to like someone who has no name like me or like um i want to polish it up you know i want to polish you up i want to make you look as good as we can yeah you know that's gonna be hard man (laughs) what say up for that one (laughs) but um yeah man but so you're from portland yeah, yeah, I was um I was born in uh Kenya, but um I've been here so long as a kid when I came here. I was like three, so it's like Okay. I'm I'm a Portlander. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um you know, I I hear from people uh that have been in town a long time that the town has has changed significantly. And we were talking and you were saying that you appreciate change in general and you think that change is a positive thing. Do you think that, you know, Portland growing into a bigger city is a is a positive thing? I think it's a positive thing. But um, again, like growing pains are a thing. Right. Um, I remember like traffic being non-existent really here. And now traffic is a huge factor of life. Obviously, now with COVID, that's reducing a little bit. But like. I remember back when we were in the offices last February, if you didn't get out at the right time, even here across the bridge in South Portland, uh, what naturally is a 10 minute drive, maybe yeah. five minutes, depending on how you're driving, is now, uh, you know, it could be between 5 and 6 p.m., uh, an hour long, 45 minute drive. Sure. Just because of how clogged up the bridges are. So, like, I get it. In one context of, of like people being like, ah, oh, this fucking sucks. Yeah. They're out of staters here who are raising the rent. But like in the end of the day, it's the city needs to grow. Obviously, like the culture here has attracted a certain amount of people. The fact that we, you know, kind of do our own thing. Um, the culture, 
specifically around the acceptance of um, people of color and people who are from different countries like has positively impacted this area that has been nice to see that it is a it is staying a very progressive place it's 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 growing into a progressive city which is which is quite nice um i mean i i came up on i feel like i like followed this like wave here from boston uh about five six years ago and so when you say traffic it's like like I literally would sit, I've sat in like two hours. Like it took me like in at least 90 minutes to get four miles, you know? And so like traffic or like, or like I just took the T for years, you know? And like sometimes the train would come by and it would just be so packed. You couldn't even get on. And sometimes two or three would come by and that, that were so packed. You couldn't get on. So like congestion like that, like I moved here and I was like, oh, I can breathe, you know? And, and so and but I came here and I was like, oh, this is a growing city where Boston is plateaued, if not, you know, on a decline, like the culture, they just pushed all culture out out of the city systematically over decades. And so now it's just like education, medical and tech. Yeah. And one could argue too, Portland might might be doing the same thing, right? With the you raising think? in rents and the fact that, um, you know, it's harder and harder to live in the city. Um I don't know what the city is really doing about affordable housing. Well, I do with the pro well, last summer with the amount of people who are living just across the street from uh, on Deering Oaks, across the street from the post office. Yeah. Just the masses of people. I had a friend who actually uh, was a part of the sleep in. Um, over there, I ain't sleeping outside. <laughs> I'll donate money to the cause. I ain't sleeping outside. But like, I give my dollars out. I used to give cigarettes out. You know, I, I support in that way. Yeah, it's like it's so. It, it, it's really um the growing pains are going to be really bad. But ultimately, change is important. I think tempered change, right? I really think what I don't want are stories about. You know, grandmas that have a house in Portland and they can't afford the property tax. Like that's, those are the stories that I don't like, you know, like you own the house for years and suddenly you're priced out. I do feel like people see what happened to Boston. People see what happened to these other cities that gentrified quickly. And there is, there is some pressure not to act that way. Uh, I hope. And we live in a culture right now, especially with the pandemic, where people are so bored that social justice is a little more attractive. Yeah. Um, and like there, you know, this past year, the amount of uh, receipts that have been brought forward <laughs> is it's just mwah, beautiful, beautiful. I never thought I'd live in a world where um, now black men are being attacked for homophobia and transphobia. <laughs> Never thought that black men have had a pass for so many years. Yeah. So many years. Rap uh, was like extremely homophobic. And the movies and oh my God. And that white white men are getting it hard. I'm sorry, dude. But like it's not sorry, actually. Deserve Fuck it. you. Um but, I deserve I'm it. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's it, the receipts are coming and it's all groups, dude. Even like gay dudes are getting gay white dudes. Who <laughs> We live in a world where gay white dudes are getting receipts you know, pushed up on. Them. Everybody's getting theirs. Uh, it, it, there, there will be a reckoning for all, and 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 we'll and we'll all move on together. Both sides too. I love it when the right like goes after 
people on the left who are bullshitting about their social act uh, activism like they'll bring up something where someone on the left said like the n-word years ago like on tiktok right now <laughs> this random like progressive white shit they, they're they're flipping they, they're like they're flipping the script and in turn becoming a liberal snowflake oh, love it i love it <laughs> yeah. i fucking love it dude it's everyone's at each other's throat and the conversation's good man as long as it doesn't turn violent of course but i love the conversation i like the fact so when did you graduate high school uh 2013 so you're you're pretty young you're, that's when i graduated college uh in 2012 um what was high school like for you personally you know what were you into Oh, high school is awesome. Um, starting out, obviously not anymore. I was super into basketball. Okay. Um, uh, being 6'3", end up playing basketball. I was pretty trash at it, um, but I played recreationally a lot. I was super into debate team. I was the model UN captain, actually. Really? High, sc high school was really nice. You had fun? Yeah, I had fun. I had a good time in high school. Um, you know, sad things obviously like happened in that time because, you know, I grew up in that we were the, you know, we were that generation that lived through um, the economic decline. Yes. So, you know, everyone had a job. Yeah. All the kids like had part time jobs. Every pair, every kid's parents had some sort of, of financial that. issue. Yeah. Every parents uh, was like had a divorce. Every kid had like a divorced parent or something. Like it was just like it got stressful. Yeah. It yeah. breaks up breaks up marriages. You know. It, yeah. I never even thought of that. I was in college for that whole time. And so I was like disconnected, you know, I was, I, I was fucking blind to the world <laughs> in a, in a stupor haze for five years. So I didn't even pay attention really between pretty much between Oh seven and 2012, you know, I was disconnected from the world at large, but that's a great point. You know, that younger, young people were working and saw the reality of, of an economic collapse. Oh yeah. Uh, and I remember, um, we uh, were studying it so so much, you know. We were, we were actually studying, like, the, you know, it's so weird. Like, I don't remember other generations studying years so, so that were so close to us. Like, uh, we were studying two thousand three and two thousand eight. Like, even really? though it was like two thousand ten, two thousand, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like what going, happened? What, what led the the mortgage? You know, the, the what led to the inflation? And also, I should cite privilege here. I was very lucky where I had a bad middle school experience, but um, I was in public school, but I went to Casco Bay High School, which is an expeditionary learning school, um, which was a lot different than some of the other high schools. So I had okay. different opportunities there. Cool. So their, maybe their programs were a lot different than what Deering or Portland had, or maybe they were similar. I well, don't know. Good for you, you know, like yeah. like uh, that you were able to take advantage of that and see that that was an advantage. Oh, yeah. One weird thing is my school really focused on getting into college. Really? That was their biggest goal. They wanted yeah. every kid, every to graduate, you had to apply to a college. Okay. That was a requirement. Really? That was a requirement in my high school at the huh. time, which now I look back and I'm like, shit, you guys were really trying to put us in debt. Because like, <laughs> it's like, you don't need it. Like, I think about it now. It's like, there's some people who don't need to go to college. It was the same for me, though. Um, my, my school really pushed to college. My mom really pushed me into college. You know, I ended up in a for-profit college, I got, which I got a good education, but spent way too much money, you know? And so, yeah, you're right. But do, did you get good grades? Did you get into college? Yeah, I had pretty good grades. Um, I definitely wasn't like an A student, but I like I did pretty well. Um, 
my thing was I was kind of lazy sometimes, but I still like got through. Yeah. Um, but like I never understood people who actually failed out because teachers do so much to make sure you don't. Like I remember like I'd be like halfway trying and teachers would be like, you know, we can help you out. We can do this, you know, a little extension there, a little to every student. I'm like, you guys aren't taking advantage you of this. You just have shit. to ask. Just straight I didn't even ask. Like they'd really? do anything you want. But like I never needed that much attention. I, I did well in school and I also did well in college. I got into college. Where'd you and go? I went to USM. Okay. Um I uh went to USM because um i applied to seven schools and i got into six of them and they all were unaffordable for me it was really really poor my mom's a single mom she had like two boys and two girls in africa that she was bankrolling like wow. she couldn't pay anything so one school what now were these siblings older than you no younger these really two, yeah yeah two boys um and Are you the uh, oldest i'm the oldest yeah okay and also, like, my mom, my mom, like, told me to, she helped me out a lot. She'd take me to where I needed to go. But, like, life I had to figure out on my own, and like, on, like, where to go. she didn't know how to, like, navigate the loan market, you know, or, yeah. or, or, or figure out how to, how to help you. You know, like, my mom, my mom was going to college. My mom was graduating college as I graduated high school. So she, like, knew how to get loans, knew how to, how to get registered and enrolled and all, all that stuff. So, like... I never had to worry about any of that. It was just taken care of for me. My mom was always just like, get a good scholarship. Really? She'd just be like, it's on you. Are you dumb? Get a <laughs> get a good scholarship. If they want you, they'll pay for you. It was literally her view. Wow. And like, she was like, you have to go to college. Yeah. You have to go somewhere. You have to go and you and, have to uh, fucking figure it out. Oh, yeah. You have to go. You have to figure it out and, you know, be a doctor. Like, that's what she said. <laughs> and I like, I was like, sure. And um, I got into one school. $68,000 a year. Yeah. It was a school I wanted to go to because I was lucky I, I did Upward Bound, which is a college preparatory program. And okay. they taught you, honestly, without them, I don't think I ever would have gone to school because they taught me the game. Yeah. They taught me what colleges were looking for. Yep. They did visits. They paid to take you out to visits. They're a part of the Head Start program uh, that was uh, developed through um, President Johnson back in the day to um, help. Um, kids who are unfortunate like get into schools and get into college and they are part of the trio system that helps you through college as well so there are programs through trio you should like if you're ever interested you should try to support or check out trio and upward bound because they're really good programs that help people in the financial context which never existed yet financial education on like what is a parent plus loan that these schools try that's to trick you That's what I had. I had parent plus loans. The, dude, that's a fucking con, dude. Like, well, I mean, uh, all the interest got paid. That's that's basically what it was. Was the interest got paid, and then and then I'm just paying. I'm paying principal. Dude, those loans have high rates, though. I mean, I haven't looked at my loans. <laughs> I graduated in 2012. I haven't even talked to anybody about my loans. I tried to talk to one. I tried to talk to one company once about consolidating my loans and getting me into a forgiveness program. And what happened was, um, so my school got shut down. I went to an art institute, uh, but it was, but the the one in Boston used to, it was MassCom. And then and then turned into art institutes. So they brought in it was MassCom. So the audio and film programs were really strong. But then it turned into an AI and it brought in graphic design. It brought in animation and photography. And so and then they started really recruiting these kids that they knew had no chance of making it in these artistic careers, you know. And so it got shut down for predatory lending. And so then I'm I'm trying to consolidate my loans and they're like, well, 
you qualify to get, uh, you know, basically separated from your loans. You can basically sue the school and get separated from your loans. And so I was like, yeah, great. And so I was building that case with this company. Um, and then Trump got elected and the company got shut down and I haven't talked to another person about my loans since. And that was the only time since 2012 I talked to anybody about my loans. I haven't even touched them. I haven't paid a bill. I haven't done anything. I assume it's just going to go away. (laughs) Dude, (laughs) I I hope it does. Like for me, that'd be so, I'd have to know the solution. I I do know know my balance. But it isn't accruing interest. Prob- I probably is. I don't know. I I don't think it is actually because it was Parent Plus, because it hasn't changed over the last six years. You know, like my balance hasn't changed. Well, so, what Parent Plus did, but it, it has to be. I hope someone corrects us. I think they do charge interest on the parent, so it's a loan under the parent's name. Yeah. And what um, I think that that one ended up being paid. I have no idea, dude. I got into one school and it was sixty eight thousand. Okay. They gave me forty eight thousand dollars worth of grants. I got a special wow. scholarship they were offering. And I this got... is at UMaine. No, no, no. This is a totally different school. Oh. This is uh this is Clark over in Worcester. Okay. They give me this much money, right? Yeah. And I'm like, fuck yeah, they give me forty eight grand. Sixty eight thousand to go to school there a year. And mind you, that forty eight grand, they said, Oh, we don't know if we can offer you that same package every year. Yeah, you have to reapply. You yeah. have to... And my mom could maybe contribute a grand a year, if sure. not that. Like, my mom was making 20K or something a year. Like, mm-hmm. she was making, there's no way. And, and my dad wasn't going to be able to help. So um, I was like, fuck, what do I do? And I got a great scholarship um, called the Promise Scholarship through USM. And okay. I have no student debt. Wow. I went to state school. And I remember um, my final Model UN meeting. Mind you, Model UN is like, Prep schools go to it. Private schools go to it. Um, There's kind of recruiters there. There are recruiters there, but not really. It's oh, a Model UN is like a debate team. Is it a competition? It's a competition. Yeah, yeah. 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 You represent okay. countries. And I made friends over the years with kids from different private schools and stuff like that. And they're okay. really good folks. And some folks were there on scholarship. So they were really like, these are kids that are really going to do great things. Like yeah. if they if they don't you know fall to a pit trap or something, they're going to do great things. And I remember one kid t- asks me, he's like, hey, it's your last year, mom. And where are you going to college? I'm going to Princeton. This guy's a very nice dude. And I was like, I'm going right here. USM, because it was hosted at USM. Oh. And we were in the dorms waiting. Like, we, it was a three-day event, so we would be in the dorms staying, and, like, we'd sneak out at night and go, like, hang out and, like, you know, do things. And you were in your hometown, so you were really comfortable. We were in Gorham. Yeah, yeah. we were in Gorham. Well, I was really comfortable. Uh, and and I was, I'm always comfortable where I'm at. I, I'm a people person. I Are like you, meeting new people. You're socially comfortable yeah, wherever yeah. you go? But most of the time, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I need space. Okay. But, like, I was having – and he's like, I'm going to Princeton. I'm going right here. He's like, dude, you're smarter than that. For the first thing he said, what? First thing he said to me was like, "Dude, you're smarter than you. well, you're, smarter you're obviously smarter than it because now you don't have a bill. I don't have a fucking note. I have nothing, <laughs> yeah. dude. I've, I've, you know, I've, I have good credit. Like, I, I have no problems because I made that decision. I remember crying because, oh, yeah. like, Clark isn't an Ivy League school, but it was that middle ground school that I really liked. They had really cool programs. They had everything to attract a young sure. person. Yeah. They had really, really hot upperclassmen. <laughs> and I was just like, this is my home. And cool. I they really sell it to you yeah. during these trips. And Worcester's a shitty city, but it they is, hide yeah. that from you. Yeah. But, like, 
as a kid, like that hurt me at the time. I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't go here. Like, really? and I remember I had an argument with my mom. I'm like, man, shouldn't go here. The social anxiety and the whole perception on education that if you need, you need to go to an expensive school or a school with a great name to real. get a good education. It was a so, lot of pressure. So much. And then I go back to my education at USM and I finish USM with a political science degree of all things. Like, talk yeah. about not being able to get a job. I minored in econ, and that's what I focused on during professional uh, interviews. I'd be like, but I have a minor in econ, too. Like, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. So your degree is in bullies. I'm like, but econ. I'm, Wait, what's your major? Uh, major was in uh, political science. Okay, so I, that was my next question, really, was that I was thinking you're very service-oriented. You're very, what can we do for the people who, you know, either don't know enough to speak up for themselves or don't have the the access to speak up for themselves like you're very like liberal minded service minded you know progressive uh it does that come from your education where does that come from it comes from being poor man really? and, and and people helping you i that's why i get really irritated because um you know i'm i'm doing well for myself for my age and um i've worked really really hard to to do this right yeah. Um, and you know, I, I work, you know, I, I work for good people. I work for a good company. I'm very blessed and happy for that, especially the quarantine, but I meet a lot of people who are my peers who are very selfish after they've made it that far. Or like they, they, they get to this point where they're like, you know, I don't want to help other people or you can do it yourself. If I can do it, you know, if I can be homeless in Portland <laughs> in 1998 with yeah. my mom, you can be homeless right now. And that is so stupid. It's, and it's sad. It's, it's a sad annoying. state. Yeah. Like, like you can't recognize how much help you were given, you know, and pass some of it along, yeah. you know, in whatever you don't need to, like help being of service and helping people doesn't mean you have to be uncomfortable. You do it in whatever way you're able. And, it, and people always think it's like, you know, to help others, you have to make a lot of money and throw in money. Money is not a way to fix things. I'm no. not a rich man at all, but I've seen a lot of rich folks just throw money at things and it doesn't work. Work helps. Like when you go out there and do something yourself, you can impact the community a lot. I think right now, especially like there are multiple organizations out there, especially during the quarantine, I'm guessing that need just bodies doing something like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, the Boys and Girls Club yeah. of just young adults, preferably young adults who can sympathize with these kids who are from poor backgrounds or poorer backgrounds and talk to somebody. I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got. I got it from my mentor um, through college. Um, and uh, I remember he said, um, oh, shit, I forget. <sighs> Fucking forgot a life-changing advice that he gave me. <laughs> um, no, it basically it was like pass it along. Abundance. He's like, if you have abundance, pass it along. Making making sure that if you have extra of something to pass it along and yeah. help others. Yeah, yeah. I am very... Um... I've always been kind of very spiritually minded, you know, and, and aware of either holding or passing or receiving, like how, how kind of energy moves. And there's so much, there's so you, you gain so much from, from giving in whatever way you can, you know? And I just feel like that, that isn't taught and it's not the, like how to do that is kind of, 
out of reach for people. You can't always just focus on yourself. And I think that's a big part problem in our society. Right? Yeah. It's like this idea of like me, 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 you know, my skincare routine, my workout routine now, sure. my me, 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 my career, my investments, my all this stuff. I feel like that's all the advertisements I ever get nowadays. How can you get richer? How can you do this, that, that, this or that, the other thing? And I forget, like a lot of people forget, and I'm guilty of this too, of like, you need to section out your life. Yeah to every aspect of it and that includes the people around you and the community you're around because you can't be doing good and everybody else do bad and then be safe right you can't it's a public safety issue at that point (laughs) right you want to be able to walk out of your home and other people be okay and there's so many ways now in this virtual space to donate your time and energy and it doesn't always have to be money Uh, money's good too money isn't bad money's very good too but like Nowadays, just your sphere of influence yeah. is very valuable. How are you using the 1,000 people that you might have as Facebook friends over time that you've developed? You know, if, if you have a Facebook account back in 2006 or something or eight, you probably have 700 to 1,000 friends. Yeah. And they might be able to see your posts. If you want to post something that you believe in or maybe even a donation tab that you believe in, that could be more than enough yeah. to kind of help someone. And it doesn't always need to be charity either. It can be just, it can be, you can give to whatever community you want to be a part of. Yeah. You know, like I want to be part of the the comedy community here and I want to be part of the entertainment community here. So I find ways to give back. Like I want to highlight you. I want people to know you better so that they can better laugh at your material. You know, yeah. like that it. That's... I'm not funny though. It's not gonna help. Like, <laughs> this isn't gonna help people. You're looking. I'm not looking for charity last year, but like, it's not gonna work. Like I said it's but... not all charity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I kicked this desk here out of frustration. Okay. But um... but no. But it's like it. I feel like I feel like it's like you get into this. You get into these mindsets where it's like it doesn't always need to be. You know. Uh, overly altruistic you know you can you can give in ways that even just even just giving your time to somebody that needs you know somebody to listen to them you know as like a friend you know giving your time to a friend that's also this act of giving Dude, there are a lot of people who are shitty at being friends. Sometimes I feel like I'm a shitty friend. But like you had to give that time over to the especially now with quarantine, it's so easy to like forget about one another, right? Yes, we can absolutely. all detach. And you know, some in some ways it's good. You know, right now, I think quarantine taught me who my friends are and who I, I probably didn't have that deep of a relationship with. Because um I was hanging out with I'm not going to talk shit about anyone like there. I think that's not even controversial to say, but um, I was really like after like comedy really slowed down. I was just kind of doing my I reverted back to like when I just graduated from college and was transitioning into a career. I was like a huge nerd. I just played video games. I just played Destiny. Outside of work, the only people I talked to were the people in my raid team. That was my life for for a while. At least you had them, you know? And the people I played League with. And we spoke a whole different language, which included a lot of homophobic slurs. (laughs) But like, (laughs) I'm kidding, just kidding. And um, like, I just kind of reverted back to that where I'm on Discord and I chat with people on a Somali Discord all the time. And I'm just, that's what I was doing. And then 
all of a sudden my phone's beeping with people that I used to hang out with before quarantine, before, you know, the pandemic. And it's like, I didn't realize who like would still like reach out to me and miss me. And that I too like missed and I myself felt obligated to reach back out to or reach out to. And it made me realize who I care about and who cares about like me. That's a fair point. I'm glad you brought it there because I do feel like there is this level of kind of out of sight, out of mind. And that's almost, I can forgive that. You know, it's like, I don't expect, I honestly don't have a lot of people that I'm in touch with on a daily basis. Um, I, you know, I, I really focused on my career and so it became work, work, work all the time. And outside of work, I don't, outside of work, you know, comedy was my only real social life. You know, I was either working or trying to, you know, make people uncomfortable <laughs> in a room. And, uh, and so it, it, as the only black comic that said the N-word during every one of his sets, I know you're feeling. <laughs> I know how you feel. Well, <laughs> well, if I go up there and try to get laughs, it's not going to work. So if I go up there and try to be, make people uncomfortable, maybe I'll get a laugh. But uh, so, <laughs> Have you had Joe DeShane here yet who ran those open mics and you no. just confront him? You're <laughs> just like, why is it that you placed me at this certain spot? Oh, I don't every care. I know why, because I'm not good. Um, so, no. <laughs> say that but uh so but i just so i just recorded my intro for episode two i I love joe by the way i was just i love joe yeah yeah uh just recorded episode two and i threw i threw a a little bit in there and i'm nervous to see how it goes (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i'm like i'm just gonna try i'm just gonna try it dude i miss that i bombed i bombed a lot during open mics just that's when i had fun bombing and not doing well at the i was talking about it with a friend of mine online in somali he goes by the name formaggio i think no no no. he goes uh no yesterday he changed his name i think it was something ass was it really cheese it was really cheese no was it formaggio was it cheese (laughs) no formaggio is a somali political uh figure actually who um people is pretty decisive it's french for cheese right Fromage? fromage i think is oh, okay. i don't know if fromagia is but yeah i never thought of that but um <laughs> like he he asked me he's like mo we on he's british he's like mo we on here all the time i want you to do a, a set why don't you make me laugh do a comedy set <laughs> and he sounds much more eloquent but that's what i hear when he talks and um <laughs> dirty <laughs> dirty blimey that's right and i'd be like i'd be like dude you need the stage that's that's you, you need the stage you need then, the attention you need the stillness you need the stillness and you also like you have maybe like 30 seconds before people start playing with their phones yeah so you really need to capture the attention and what's fun one person asked me is like i would never be able to do it because i'm introverted and i wouldn't be able to handle someone heckling me or being quiet or not laughing at my jokes and i was like dude Open mics are fun because of that. Because you go there, you you owe nobody nothing. Yeah. You you when you go to an open mic, they're there. It's a free show. Well, we do. Well, it is mostly comics. Yeah. It is mostly other comics, and and there is a nice community here of comics who will at least like. You don't. You comics don't, are awful uh, audience you get, members. You don't get pity laughs if it's bad, but if it's an okay premise, you'll get like a loud breath. Yeah, you know, I like think you'll get a that not. 
I think a lot of comics, especially the ones that do it for a while, like I laugh. I I laugh How wholeheartedly. How long have you been doing comedy? Maybe when around the time when I met you, less than a year. Like it, it was. Uh, I started because you the, got good fast. I I remember like you got really good quickly. Like I feel like I saw you. And you were still a little uncomfortable, and then like the next time I saw you, you that was gone. You know, because I could only make it every few weeks anyway. I had um, thank you for the compliment, but yeah. like I had a background with uh, slam poetry when I was younger too, okay. and I've always did. I always did public speaking in the form of model UN and different. So it wasn't yeah. the public speaking aspect that was hard for me, and I always had a love for comedy. Like I was raised on like the Chappelle Show. I remember sneaking downstairs to watch Comedy Central and the Chappelle Show. And my mom wouldn't understand. Just so iconic. It, it was such yeah. It just changed culture. It he was just unapologetically himself and, and it worked and it was okay to laugh at everything every it made everything funny he took on things i think i don't know if i ever meet dave chappelle i don't think i could ever say anything to him i think i would just be in awe just and i just want to shake his hand that's all i want like he's to me it's I, dave chappelle chris rock martin um like just really just just really good but now how were you introduced to those things i'm sorry let me just cut you off there how were you introduced to you know do or did you just find it on comedy central on your own or did you have somebody show you because you know you have you come from an immigrant family you know were, were they into this pop culture you know comedy so my mom the only thing that translated well for her was uh, physical comedy. Physical comedy translates well to people all over because you don't need a language. You need you don't need co- language and comprehension. And she likes to laugh. She loves to laugh. Okay. So a lot of people in general love to laugh. Really? My mom loves a good joke, loves loves some good jokes. And The Simpsons, what she'd love to just watch Homer Simpson scream and his tongue go really? out and say dow. She like those loud noises physical humor looks funny and it's good that's why like okay. tom and jerry all that stuff not what well, i expected that's yeah, really interesting it, it would wake yeah, dude it it really is but like things like family guy which is more like you gotta listen maybe there's some physical humor or whatever but like growing up my mom didn't really understand the language yeah so i could watch whatever i want okay so I'd watch Seinfeld. I'd watch like a lot of inappropriate things that I wouldn't. I was. I think I was trying to say Martin Lawrence earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would watch the Martin Lawrence show. Okay. I watched the Jamie Foxx show. I would really liked bad black sitcoms. That's okay. really what I fucked with. Uh, Monique show back in the day. That stuff was hitting. That stuff, you know, it, it was really hot back then like when you were a kid it's hotter I now i yeah, think yeah. now it's coming back people forgot these shows were really well written and really yes. funny well they had to be they oh, yeah. had to be to push through to have that spot right yeah. the bernie mac show dude so funny dude i watched that's the that's like my office yeah. you know the bernie mac show <laughs> Bernie Mac show. <laughs> dude it's such they're so and they're quotable now yeah and you know they're timeless they're time they're they're real they're they're a little restricted because of homophobia and transphobia that was present um and i it think can be a little i feel i just wish people would recognize that the intent was not malicious sometimes i i watch those pieces and i think to myself the intent was malicious you think so yeah i do i do i do because um i think um i think they are time pieces right 
And I think at the time, people would accept that. And um, I know, like, Dave Chappelle really addressed it. You think people his... were being hurt by those jokes? I think people's feelings were hurt, for sure. And, you know, you can put whatever value you felt was appropriate on that. But there, there are a lot of jokes where, um, you know, like... Was um you know don't be I don't like to say the word but like don't be an f word would be something Eddie Eddie Murphy would say quite regularly and what does sure. that mean if you're telling someone not to be something that's an automatic negative connotation sure some people might say yeah fuck it I don't care you're not hurting my feelings yeah a lot of black folks would say you can call me the n word fuck it I don't care you're not going to be able to hurt my feelings that doesn't matter if it's your almost- feelings are hurt it's disrespect. And the disrespect that's fair is there. Yeah, no, I I'm happy to admit that I'm wrong. You know. Uh, oh yeah, and you can have your opinion. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. totally get your point. Like they're they're time pieces, right? Like back then they could say that and people would laugh, and I laughed. And that's... if it's funny, it's funny. You know, if it gets a laugh, it's a little. It kind of takes the harm away. In my eyes, if it gets a laugh, it kind of takes the harm away. Even though some sure, of it isn't timeless, though. Sure, maybe maybe we were overlooking that that people were feeling like they were the butt of a joke. Delirious is but not one that you 80s. can laugh that's at the right late now. 80s. You that, can't really laugh at delirious, right? I mean, now. I'm talking Hard. I'm talking '90s sitcoms. You know, uh, Martin, uh, the Wayans show. What was the Wayans brother show? Yeah, uh, I think it was literally the Wayans brothers. Show. Yeah. <laughs> The Wayans yeah. Brothers had multiple shows, too. Uh, Damon Wayans, who's, I think, one of the funniest comics ever, um, had My Wife and Kids, which was the funniest show to me. Yes, that's the show I was thinking he of. He owned a trucking company. My Wife and Kids, I love that show. Those shows so funny. Those ni- I loved late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, they kind of blur with me, but those sitcoms, man, they were just so tight because it was, it was like post-Seinfeld and everybody wanted to to cat to get that Seinfeld audience. And so every those the they the writing was just fast and clever and heartfelt, you know, there was messages, there was morality, you know. And there was okay. drama. My wife and kids had teen pregnancy. Yeah. Um uh I think they addressed the molester at one point. Um if I remember the series maybe correctly. homophobia was just maybe it, it was it was ingrained in the fabric of society so much so that with my privilege, I, w- I was blind to it, and I continue to be blind to it. Dude, I but could. I the could writing, argue. the writing was solid, and they were trying to entertain in a more wholesome way. And they confronted those issues with shows. Uh, I think like uh, what's the? I think it was called The Game, which was about uh, black football players and the women in their lives. Okay. Um, and uh, in one episode, one football player was overtly homophobic. And one of his teammates comes out as gay. Really, and there's a big black man. Yeah, which you don't see as like the uh, as a gay person if you look at just a big large black guy who plays football. I mean, Adam Sandler did that in uh in in um, Fifty Dates. Well, no, what was that fire that fire firefighter movie with uh. Oh, oh! I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. <laughs> yeah. Is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this one, they had a fight. Really? So one dude thought the homophobic football player was uh flirting with him or something at his home and tried to lean in for like a kiss 
and he gets like shoved and punched. Yeah, they had a huge altercation really? over it. Yeah, yeah. And they really address that topic. And then at the end, you know, hugs and kisses, right? Everyone makes up. Sure. And he's like, I accept gay people now. I, my homophobia has been cured. But, <laughs> we solved it. <laughs> we solved the problem. I wish, I wish we applied that like sitcom efficiency to yes. social issues, right? Like we figure it out. Yeah, we solved this under, shit. under a half an hour, an old black woman sits down and tells us oh. what's up, I like, also uh, grew up with, uh, with you know, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air and right. Sister Sister, and and like like I grew up with these shows, you know, and that that I I feel like, you know, sure I'm just I'm from a Wonder Bread white town in Massachusetts, which is a very racist place to be. You know, I grew up in a racist town. You know, there was a black family in the town, I think. You know, and it was just like, but I feel like. But I am also Jewish. Like I grew, my family's Jewish, so I, I was also raised with this intense liberalism that comes from Boston, you know, Jews. And uh, but I'm undercover. I know I don't look it, but but I was about to say I like you more now. Now that I know you're Jew, <laughs> like you went up a few points. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, but so I feel like I mean, at home I was raised with this open-minded, you know. You know, you don't hate people. You don't use language that makes people feel bad about themselves. Uh, and I was raised with that, but in a place where, in a place and time where, sure, it was part of the lexicon. It was part of, you know, and I was, and you, you were saying these things. You were saying, you know, homophobic slurs. It was part of your daily conversation. You were saying like the R word, you know. Oh, yeah. Daily Especially video game culture. Like I grew up, like my mom was a single mom that worked four jobs yeah. and like she was always gone. So her biggest investment to keep us off the streets was like, I'll buy you a PS like two. Okay. I'll buy you like, you know, once the PS three comes out, I'll get you a PS two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like, I'll get you a game boy. Just stay in the house. Don't, you know, don't go out there you know, selling drugs or something. Little did uh, she know that was the birthplace of QAnon. Yeah, yeah. I remember like I would be on like 4chan as a kid. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. And like you just like dick around and the language of the internet was laced so, with so racism and homophobia, transphobia and, and the uh, internet. That that's a good point where you you grew up with the internet. You know, you grew up alongside the internet where I was introduced to the internet. You know, like like it, when I was, you know, in uh at just fin finishing elementary school, I remember getting our first like family computer with AOL, you know, and dial up and like so like I was kind of introduced to it. You grew up with it. So you're you were kind of standard issued school laptops really man. that's what i grew up with they replaced cursive with typing i dude i can barely read cursive or write in cursive i i'm stupid in that regard see my writing is a hybrid i write hybrid uh you know cursive i took typing classes when we were in elementary school i still can't i still like you know uh, I, I don't i don't have a home row down Oh really? Yeah, yeah. like we my did Mavis are... Beacon, you know. But I just never. It wasn't. It wasn't pushed. It wasn't. It wasn't daily. It was like it was for. It was. It was three months out of the year. You took typing and then you moved on to gym or whatever. You know, you moved on to the health. There you know? were still like written exams and stuff, but like in most cases, like I remember even in college, if we had to do a written exam, there were two occasions where my professors would ask me. 
could you help me read your essay in the blue book? And I'd be like, are you guys going to take points off? They're like, it's like a hybrid of cursive. I have really bad handwriting. Like it's not, it looks like cursive, but it isn't cursive. It's, it's really shitty handwriting, <laughs> but all the words are spelled out correctly. And they're all there. Same. Just, you yeah. just got to read it. Yeah. You just, you don't, you don't take, pick your pen up. You know, oh, it yeah. just, it just, Oh man, it was so funny, <laughs> but I'd be like, yeah, sure. Well, I'll try to get an A, but, um, but yeah. so did you just start typing things? Oh, that's all we did. Really? That's all we did. We always typed outside of like, obviously like I had to make it legible sometimes. I had to get there with exams and stuff, but like I grew up with like a, it was sixth grade, right in sixth grade. Every kid had a laptop. Every wow. kid had a MacBook. Um, then they switched to these little black, uh, books, uh, these little ba cheaper black Dell Apple books. Apple became expensive. Apple became very expensive. They weren't <laughs> yeah. giving out the good discounts anymore. <laughs> and then um, I remember I was getting so sick and tired of those little desk books because they sucked um, that I just like worked one summer and bought a MacBook Air. And I was like, that's what we use. And every kid was allowed to bring their own laptop. Yeah. Yeah. Every Like if you were a kid and like you didn't, you wanted to use the Wi-Fi or whatever, like just come in. And I remember... You know, I don't think I can get in any trouble for this, but I am, um, I don't know, I was an okay student and um, like I, sometimes I just got bored in class and I would play Minecraft yeah, yeah. and video games in yeah. the classroom all day, yeah. all day. I would just be playing a video. I would used to play emulators of like old Super Nintendo games yeah. on my computer and I'd hop on 4chan and talk shit because my computer doesn't have all the you know VPN blocks that were set wow. up so I would just go on and do whatever That's I wanted cool. yeah. in class and that was like life and I remember no one would know I'm black but the minute I got on voice chat people would be like you're you, you sound gay? like you're gay <laughs> yeah sound very gay <laughs> and not they won't see my right now even with discord yeah dude i get called uh the f word all the time and like i'm always like i i'm always called white too there was like who who it's a somali discord by the way it's a somali discord is a <laughs> server for white voice f word dude they're like who invited this white f word and I'd be like, yo, 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 I'm Somali. Calm down. I'm very black. I'm also 6'3 and 300 some odd pounds. If you don't shut up, I will sit on you. Calm your fucking ass down. Through the internet. I'll through come the through. Internet. And like, I'd have to switch. I'd be like, no, no, Somalia has Somalia. You know, I'll be like, I'm Somali. Can, can you turn it on? I can, I can't. I, I don't have an accent. You no, know, I don't. Yeah. No, this is me. Yeah, this yeah. is me relaxed and like if i feel confronted maybe the voice gets a little deeper and i can't you know even fake it butch it up a little bit uh, yeah, yeah i can butch it up a bit <laughs> i can get real i can get a little scary but no it's like to me it's so stupid because i we grew up with toxic masculinity right yeah In different fashions and um i i grew up i was raised by all women though too so i grew up with toxic masculinity masculinity in a, in a, in a fully female household like i had a, a detached stepfather but like all women so it was like very awkward you know like holding women in, in a power role but then you know trying to be macho at the same time it was very awkward is really really for me i grew up without my dad yeah, and same. you you too and um do you get this feeling like other men like your uncles and folks they would try to they would try to be like your dad for a bit like well, I made every male, uh, I, I subconsciously made every male, um, relationship, uh, of my dad, <laughs> you know, like I was, I was looking for a dad, okay. hey, but I was scared of my friend's dads, terrified of my friend's dads. 
But like, no, I get, I didn't really have that. I didn't really have anybody trying to step in dad role. I had so many people. Even the guy, the guy that should have been stepping into dad role wasn't <laughs> interested in stepping in dad role. Trust me, I feel the same and way. I was, I was terrified. I was so actually no. But the answer is no. I was actually terrified of adult men. I was scared of adult men. Dude, that's kind of wise. It's like instinctual. Like it's wise. <laughs> adult men suck, dude. I remember so many men would always try because they knew they would know my mom. And they knew my father from back in Somalia, from the motherland, you know? But so they're and looking the, out for They're you. looking out for me. They're yeah. like, you know, let's toughen you up. Let's do this. And there were my cousins and stuff, too, who'd come out. And, like, they'd be like, I'm going to have to teach you how to fight because you ain't got no dad. And I don't want you to be out here and be someone's B-word, you know? Sure. That's what we're going to do. We're going to B-word, R-word it all day, <laughs> F-word it. We're real woke here. And, um, yeah. you the know. woke show. A woke show. <laughs> I was trying so hard to make that open. And. Um, to those that don't know, I tried making a podcast called The Woke Show, Did you really? and it wasn't not woke. It was really bad. We it was me, Michaela, and Tim talking shit about people in Portland for a while, and it was during the BLM protest. And I won't like I'll say it. I don't. You can put this on the show. I was talking. I you know believe in BLM. I believe the, um, when the George Floyd incident happened, I lost my shit yeah. and I'm still losing my shit. I'm still very angry and I think everyone should still be angry and protesting. But I remember seeing so many people who were fake pretending to be protesters, pretending to like really care about what was going on and posting stuff online while also pushing their music careers and pushing their modeling careers yeah. on Instagram. And I thought that was very fake. That was my take, but we talked a lot of shit about specific people in the area who were doing that. Really? So I, I just want to bring up one thing that 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 I hope doesn't come across as wrong. But when so, I love those, I love so, those. Yeah, so, yeah. So Dude. so when I, I you know I it's got like, out. This I, is this is the moment right now. This is uh, bro, is this racist moment? Is that what it is? Because I've had a lot of those before. No, it's bro, not. is this racist? <laughs> No, I just want to ask. I protest. I got out. I protested. I, you know, I'm a musician. I was able to lead some chants, keep people, keep people on rhythm. You know, like I, I, I did. I feel. I felt good. I felt like I showed up. I felt like I, I held, I held my space there. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> before it became organized and like cities were burning, uh, you know, like like uh, where it happened. Uh, where where did it happen? Ferguson. Uh. Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, Ferguson was a while ago. Minnesota was where. Okay. So where it happened, you know, was burning to the ground. Seattle was burning to the ground. Pe places where, you know, like the city cities were erupting. Portland, Oregon. Yeah. I saw fat white boys in dressed in black. <laughs> From 4chan. Trying to like run around the center of Portland in the middle of the day trying to just like incite a riot. And I was just like, go home. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're not, this isn't that, you know, go there if you want to go there, but like, you're not, nobody's going to break windows with you, you know? And it was like before anybody was really in the street, it was before anybody was doing anything. I literally just saw like, it was a group of people starting to, to, to legitimately protest and then, like, these, like, four or five, like, flabby white boys just, like, trying to, like, be, like, Antifa, you know? And I was like, what? 
It's silly. Ever, it just so made me So many people laugh. were doing it for clout. And I hated the selfies with like the mask that said BLM. And, you know, I get it. Marketing is great. And I love what BLM did with marketing on their end. I have my criticisms of the organization. I think it's too loosely formed. Uh, you know, I, there are criticisms to have, but ultimately the way they gather attention and organize is very, very inspiring. I think they, they, they know how to hold attention. And they had nice. good speakers. I remember going That's what to I was just gonna say. two of the major protests the in the here in Portland. Park, yeah. Yeah, the one at the park where they had the PA set up and it was organized, you know, the, they had the permits, you know, it, it was and a lot of people gathered and they, you know, they started up at City Hall and walked everybody down to the park and hung out at the park and then walked everybody back up. You know, it was an event, you know, the leadership who actually spoke out and were really the cool. message. It was it was speakers to push the message. It wasn't just getting people to get people and chant. It was like the, the guy talking about the native rights and like like there was. There was people pushing a real message there. They aren't supporting. One hundred percent. There were people I grew up with that I saw take the stage and speak yeah. out in public that I never had seen. Um, like you know, I definitely didn't feel like I had a right to because I wasn't an organizer. So I definitely didn't go out there and spoke. But I would like be a part of the little practices they would do of like lying on the ground in front of the Portland police. I remember. There were like over a thousand people in Portland waiting in front of the Portland police station, which yeah. I never saw that many people. More people went to that event than when Kendrick Lamar was here back in 2012. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, there are going to be waves of people there with Kendrick <laughs> Lamar. Like, it was so great. It was so beautiful and that was great but then there were times where just like local rappers would like pump their careers and they're like see i didn't white catch girls much of taking that. selfies like talking about uh, obviously you're not gonna it was more that. online that's yeah. my thing it wasn't okay. during the protest people were like buy my mixtapes but it was online <laughs> like they would CDs. use use that clout to like really? promote themselves specifically I, I guess on I'm the just cloud. detached i didn't really notice any of that i just got annoyed but rightly so you know i think it's beautiful though in the end of the day you're like, always gonna have these self-seekers that uh, t that you know Oh, there's a tension here and I need to capitalize on it. It's almost just to just to be devil's advocate. It's almost a little forgivable because if somebody's really trying to hustle and do their thing and they're not getting an audience and then they try to capitalize on this audience, it's like just ah. to be devil's advocate is probably one of the whitest things you could say. I'm just saying. Like... I just know how hard it is to get a fucking audience. <laughs> Dude, fuck audiences. Um, so let, let's uh, let's get let's let's get this kind of back on track a little bit. I'll, well, what I'll is cut, the track? I I'll don't cut, even know. I'll cut all that out. We'll start right now. And uh, <laughs> clap. let's clap. Slate it. Slate it. Let's do it. Um, so you were in uh, debate and and uh doing you know poetry and stuff so when when did you finally decide to get on stage and we said you were kind of informed by these you know early 2000s sitcoms and and sketch comedy when did you finally decide to get on stage and try and try did were you trying to write material did you get on with stories how did you get on stage um yeah so it was 20 19, I think, when I first started getting into stand-up, 
Um, and I had the background of performance art. So I had the performance down. I had no problem with anxiety on being on a stage or preparing written pieces to be presented. I knew, and I knew how to respond to an audience. Were you reciting monologues in different ways? The slam poetry. Um, okay, yeah. And, and it was um, like a lot of my work, like I did like want to respond to the audience. And there were times where I would just be like, I like this line better. I'd make something up on the spot and I would just integrate it okay. somehow. And uh, I never wrote, especially with um, my, my poetry, it's like I never really wrote how it was going to be presented. It was more just like there's a line, but if I want to add something else, I'll just add it. And um, I stopped performing to focus on school somewhere like junior year. I just kind of stopped slam poetry. And I in college. My, or in high school? Junior year of high school, and then oh. I did one performance freshman year. Oh, so you were performing in high school already. Oh. You're, okay. Yeah, yeah, minor was, stuff. Was this like slam poetry mics. thing, was it organized? Or it was were, at Blue. You, you were was, finding open mics in town. At Blue with Port Veritas um, over at Blue for a while, and then they moved, and I think they still did it for a while, at uh, what's that famous Irish bar? In high school, you were doing this. Oh, yeah. We'd just go in uh, because I knew the the Bolfinis. Yeah. Yeah. I knew the poets there. So they would just put like a mark on my hand to say that I'm a minor and I could never order drinks. It was still kind of a smaller town feel back then because this was, I mean, must have been 07, 08, right? Um, That was 2012, 2011. I started Slam probably 2009, 2010. Okay. Yeah. My school didn't have electives, they had things called intensives. So you would have um, a four-class block every day, um, and then for two weeks, um, for four weeks out of the year, two-week blocks every semester. You're like 15, 16. Yeah, 15, 16. They would have two weeks focused on one elective, where you didn't do any other school. You just focused on your elective. Really? So math was suspended, uh, social studies, all that stuff was suspended. Lunch was whatever you had, and two professors or one teacher would um, organize an event and um, Mr. Morales uh, who taught at Casco Bay High School did slam poetry and I think that kind of really changed my life a little bit. He did he organized it really well um, because he would have classes and written time for um, the performances so we'd get a piece together and we're writing our piece and we had to do a performance at Blue. So in high school our teachers so fucking cool man. Yeah. In high school he had us go to a bar <laughs> Wow. to perform as our final for uh this intensive it's really incredible it was really incredible and during the writing sessions we do these writing sessions over at the telling room so this was sponsored by the telling room another plug another great nonprofit. um and uh you would uh go in and you'd be writing and then he randomly had slam poets in the area just okay. walk in and just belt out a slam poem you didn't even know some random white dude would walk in and be like in my soul, my heart has stitches, yada, 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 fuck bitches. And like, it just out of nowhere. And, um, uh, sorry, and people, I mean, B words. Um, and like, when people hit we're late in this now. If you're, if you're offended, sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you watch this long and you're going to get offended now, uh, but just quit. <laughs> um, but he did this and then that was the start. And then, um, 2019 rolls around and, um, you know, I'm getting, I'm in a rut. You know, I ha- I'm professionally, I'm doing, a, I'm doing well, and you but know, you're nine to five, working nine to five job. More, more like uh, eight to seven. You know, uh, yeah, and sometimes I'd be waking up at like five a.m. and I was like not, I was, you know, doing well, and I, you know, 
I, I would dick around like I had fun doing projects and stuff for myself, but I was writing more for me and I wasn't performing. Okay. And um, I really love stand up, yeah. really love to stand up comedy. And I remember for years I would watch Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock and all these people perform. And um, I was a huge fan of the Joe Rogan podcast and I was yeah. a bigger fan of the Joey Diaz podcast. Oh. And I would listen to that as an estimator. I traveled and I would be in a car for three hours at a time. That's how I got into it, too. Listening to comics tell their story. And Joey Diaz. Yeah. Joey Diaz's podcast is so fucking good, right? Really? Have you listened to it? I kind of slept on it, no. It's called The Church of What's Happening Now. I'm aware of it. So I, I mean, in about 20... In about 2013, 2014, I got into WTF with Mark Maron. And that's pretty much all I listened to for years. I went back and listened to his whole... He was already doing it for a few years. And I went back and listened to every single episode. That's all I listened to was WTF with Mark Maron. And that's what got me on stage. Uh, Did you go to his live show before the... I did, yeah. I've seen him a few times. You were in that picture. I think I saw you in that picture. You were in the picture, right? Are we in that picture together? I never went. Oh, you didn't go? I never went to a show, yeah. Everyone was telling me to go, and uh, I think I was doing something. Um, I've seen him a few times. I'm a big fan, and he changed my life. You know, listening listening to comics tell their story, and I just related to it so much. Like, I just related to, like, oh, yeah, like... I'm just as like, I'm fucked up too. Like you make me feel seen, you know? And I was like, I'm going to try it. Cause I grew up playing music. Yeah. I grew up on stage and, and, um, and I felt like this whole from performance. So you're listening to Joey Diaz and similar. I just, Joey I just wanted Diaz to relate. So, oh yeah. You, you totally were empathizing, <laughs> but no, no, no. Um, Joe Rogan and Joey Diaz. Yeah. I got more into Joey Diaz's show because I felt like he was really authentic and he had like less of a viewer base, but he had a higher viewer base, but he was, he had a pretty high viewer base, but it was less than Joe Rogan's obviously. Well, Joe Rogan kind of put that whole crew on, you oh, know? Oh yeah. He totally did. And yeah. Joey Diaz is a f- interesting comic in the sense that he's more funny apparently like at live shows, but he's really funny on his podcast, just ripping. And he would always talk about how easy comedy was and his comedy career. And he was giving out like all this advice about comedy. Because he's this just a ranter. He's just he a just ranter. gets up and goes. He'll just keep going and going I'm and sure going. I'm sure he's got stuff in his mind that he can kind of hop around to. I would be like... exhausted to hang out with him. <laughs> but he like he he got me thinking like when he was doing it, he was like, dude, life is short. Yeah. Life is short. Go out there and do something crazy. Fuck some crazy person you don't know. Just go do something. Because life, I'm an old man, and it took me 10 years to get good at comedy. It took me this many years to do this. I did this and that. Life is short. I'm an old man. I'm getting started on new things now. And that's what got me. I was like, I'm 20, at this point, I'm 24, I think. 24. um, I finished school. I felt like I never really took that many risks in yeah. life and i was just like well you weren't told to you it was like it wasn't you know you it, we you're told to you know get good grades go to college get a degree get a job and that's what you did yeah yeah and and i i just just like i couldn't sometimes i even felt like i couldn't make a risk because i felt like if like I, someone had to be there to help my family out and like okay um are you supporting your family 
not fully, but I help them out a lot. It's, and it, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely not carrying them, but like, no, no, no. The, like I help my family, and I'm also there as a resource, like to reach out to if my siblings need anything. Well, and, just, it was you, you and your mom, right? You're the oldest, and yeah. so like, yeah, that's all we got. And um, I was just like, man, I want to get into this, and I went to a show by chance with um my friend Nicole. And um, she took me out to a show called Make Me and Laugh. Okay. And uh, it was it was Joe DeShane's show. That was the first I, That was show the first show said? I ever went to. Really? It was May Local. of 2019. Yeah. Wow. And I went to the show. I got tickets, which is so hard to get at that yeah. time because it's so hard to get tickets. Such a good show. Fun show. Joe great concept. Joe was proud of it, too. He, he Love it. And I think he could come back so hard. Yeah. He'll come back so yeah. fucking hard yeah. um, if Joe's around for it. And... Um, I got, I'm going to hit him up. I'm going to get him on here. Dude, you have to. And uh, he uh, got me. Um, I put my name down to go on stage yeah. as a joke. And I went on and had fun with Rachel and all the comics. And I had fun as a contestant. And then Joe like plugged his. I didn't even see many. I don't even think I went to many Make Main's laugh, Make Main laugh. But I feel like I was at that one. Like, I've, I think I've only been to two. Okay. And, and I feel like that was that was the one because I saw I remember seeing you on stage and they they got me up and, and I had so much fun with them. And uh, then Joe plugged his open mic. Yeah. And I was like, I want to go. Yeah. I want to go to this so fucking bad. Yeah. And um, the day came and I was just like, ah, I don't want to go. And then <laughs> it's terrifying. It, terrifying. Yeah. And an hour before I um I wrote a set. Oh, really? And um, it was a set about uh, my cousin. Um, and, uh, it was about the time where <laughs> I was living in a, an area in Portland and my cousins from Boston came and they were from Roxbury and they always acted really big cause they're from Portland. They're like, oh, we're from fucking Boston. We're from Roxbury. We're tough. Yeah. And we lived in a project area in Portland, but it wasn't a bad neighborhood, but it was a little rough okay. it, ar around that time. It yeah. was like 2000. I think we're in middle school at the time. It's 2007, oh. 2006. So yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, little, yeah. it's a little rough area now. Oh, okay. And the reason why it was rough is there are a lot of people um, who like you have people. Is it government supported housing? It's government supported housing, but it's also like there were a lot of immigrants there and not the, there were a lot of younger boys who were from big cities in Africa, like, you know, like Mombasa or like Mogadishu. Mogadishu is a huge city in Somalia. Like so these are, they're, they're from they're, a rougher they're area in their chest. They're yeah. yeah. And they've seen some shit. Yeah. And, um, there was some gang act. There was some gang activity there. And then a lot of them moved because Portland and Maine is a small state. You don't want to be a thug in Maine and Portland. You want to be a thug somewhere else. So it's they went to like Minnesota. They yeah. <laughs> went to Ohio. Like yeah. we're so soft. They're like, we need to leave these white people and their dogs. <laughs> we might sell them some fentanyl later, but yeah. like, we're just not we'll going to be here. We'll come back later. Yeah. And they, they all moved. But my cousin was over. He's all bad. And he's like, well, look, I'm just like, I'm going to go play basketball basketball down the road you know don't say anything too stupid to people <laughs> and he didn't we went off we played basketball we we're walking back home and this one guy who i kind of knew in the area sprinted towards us as we were walking up the hill to my house to my mom's house and he gets in front of us and like he's putting his arm behind his back and i was just like oh i wonder why he's coming i think i'm like 12 or 13 or 14 at this point and uh, my cousin sees this guy gets in front of us this guy pulls out a gun 
What? My cousin, who's um, maybe 16, 17, who's a fat guy, <laughs> he looked like he, he's, he's a fat, dark skinned dude. He looked like an African fertility idol and he just sprinted away from me. But he was like sprinting and then doing zigzags. And he was also a fat kid, too. So he was like doing fat running zigzags like he was not going at a high speed. And it was very weird. <laughs> He's like weeble wobbling down weeble the road. wobbling all, all, all the way back and i'm just standing there and the guy who's bugging us is laughing he's like <laughs> Look at him. and the guy holds the gun in front of me and this is a real gun and he looks at me he's like give me your money and i'm like dude i'm 12 i don't even understand the concept of money this is a real story i met this guy again later in life oh my and he, god like, he was like dude i don't even have money and then he laughs and he just tells me yeah i have a new gun i just wanted to scare you and he left Nothing came of it. Like, and then this my, my cousin's fat ass is up in my mom's apartment. It's, like, <gasps> I left your oldest son to die. <laughs> I didn't have a wallet or anything, but he knew me in the area. I think he just wanted to scare us. This is really what it was. Yeah. I don't know. It was just to scare us. And he, he laughed and let me go. Like, he didn't hit me or anything. Like, it wasn't really malicious. It was fucked up, but it wasn't, like, malicious. He just, like, showed us the gun. And he, like, didn't even point it at it. He just showed us it. And he was just like you know, give me your money. I'm like, I don't have anything. This and he's like, fuck, I'm gone. This is a Portland mugging. <laughs> it was a Portland mugging. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he gave me, he gave me a car to an open mic that I should go to <laughs> later. But I shared that story. And at one That's point one. I cracked and I was like, yeah, my brother ran away from me. And then I was like, fuck, I said, brother, I meant cousin. And then I was like, well, let's save it. And I was just like, well, he was like a brother to me, but not anymore. And it really sold like the betrayal yeah. that happened, which okay. still exists. Um, Did you get laughs? Oh, I got it laughs. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I got laughs. I got joke of the night. I got five bucks. If you have uh, the best joke, which was totally subjective, it was totally up to Joe. Yeah, they had just probably. started doing and, that. And he, yeah. would, and he gave me five bucks. And he was like, yeah, you did a great job. I really want you to come back. And then I did another show. Uh, I did another open mic. And I think about three, four times afterwards, like there was every Monday, um, I got approached to do Make Main Laugh. Um, yeah. And I had to do a work trip that summer, so I wasn't able to do it. Um, and I did my first real show with uh, Gabe. Gabe. Uh, okay. Um, did shit, you do Gabe one Moore, of his, Gabriel Moore? One of uh, his. Um, what was what was his live show? Um, Ignorant. Ignorance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that a show you did? You know what's fucked up is I struggled with Gabe's name. Yeah. But um, back in uh, just in January, I uh, <laughs> I did the ceremony to have him and his wife get married. I saw that on Instagram. <laughs> it's so fucked up. Like I now pronounce you husband well, you're, and wife. You're you just, just you're you're still 13 years old being mugged in your head. Uh, yeah, in my head. Yeah, I'm reliving <laughs> that trauma. You haven't even um, met Gabe. But yeah, I did ignorant. That was my first show, and um, I had a set by then. Um, where I would do like that three fifths joke that I always ended with. And, um, well, good for you. You're doing it. You're doing it well because you found, you know, you found a way to move quickly and that's the only way to get good at it is to find a way to move quickly. I've always kind of been stagnant and stayed in open mics. I mean, I've been doing it for six years and I've just always kind of stayed in open mics because, you know, I, I, I get busy at work and I do this and I can only get out every so often. You can only get good at it if you continue to go. And also, really, well, I loved it. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. still, I would love to you go to tell. an open mic. You, it's fun. You to fill do it. the room with heat. You know what I mean? You 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 get up there. You smile. You know you're you're happy. You're happy to be there, and you can feel that. Oh yeah, being on there is the funnest. And thank you yeah. for that. But it's like the 
funnest. And also, I liked just going. Yeah. Like, I didn't really hang out with friends unless it was super, like, restrictive box of, like, we're going out to dinner. Yeah. Or we're doing this or that. Like, I didn't hang hang. Like, I'm not the guy that hangs out in your living room. Oh, you got something to do. Like, let's do something. Yeah. And every Friday and Saturday and Sunday, even if I didn't, like, have, like, a show or anything, I would just go yeah. to... And I would watch. And I usually got in for free, but I would always, you know, go buy buy something yeah. and, um, like, or pay for the ticket. You and I would just hang. listen. You know, you and know just how hang. to hang out. Yeah. And um, Empire, Lucas would yeah. like notice like oh mo comes to like the shows and it's not like i was trying to play some 3d level chess of like maybe if he sees me every day he'll put no, me on you the just shows like being i just there. loved being there yeah and the fact that you're there every day and you're present you're part of the audience you're laughing you're bringing friends with you bringing yes. people over with you i think you have to be a part of the culture if you ever want to like get into a comedy scene yeah and I, you know, you're a part of the culture for sure. People know you like you got to be a part I of mean, that. I've group. been going. Yeah. I mean, when I first I got here, so I got here almost six years ago now and uh, and I had been doing comedy for the summer before I moved here. And then I got here and I just I found Empire and it was Ian hosting. And uh, and I just started going every week and I started going to. um the the other one he did down the street at uh this other restaurant can't think of the name it's closed now anyway and i just started chasing ian around whatever whatever mike he did i would do and and then i i really you know tried tr i i've i really tried to get in on it and then and then you know i get disillusioned and i i you know you get up you get up and you get beat down and then and then i get busy you know i have a job and i get busy and i and you the thing is just going back at it right yeah. it's fun i love it you wouldn't go back to it if it wasn't it's just fun i but love it so much and and i i had a similar experience for my first time where i got up i told a crazy story and i killed i got laughs and it felt great you know and i've been chasing that since but uh but you know and then it, it wasn't and then in the last couple of years i've been trying to write material and trying to do that thing but i appreciate I guess I'm insecure that you're saying that I'm part of the community because I don't even feel like I am. So thank you for saying that. And that's why I'm even just rambling on and on and on. Because if you show up, yeah. you're a part of it. Like, I feel like a lot of people, I don't know, like... Like, I feel like I'm part of the entertainment community in Portland um, because, you know, I work for a venue and, and, and I, get, I get out to where I can. And, and comedy has always been just a hobby. Uh, but I fucking love it. The reason why I pause there is the idea of gatekeeping. Yeah. Right. Which is a huge problem in anything that you do in life. Sure. Right. There are always gatekeepers. And I remember when I first started doing stand up, I was told about how awful the gatekeeping was with Ian um, and some other folks. And I've never met Ian in my entire life. I have nothing bad to say about Ian. The, the only thing I have to say about Ian is. Um, a good thing, which is um, everyone talks shit about him in the Empire stage. Like, everyone talks shit about him, but no one said he wasn't funny. No. No one had funny. the balls to be that, like, he he's not funny. And I would like be like, man, this guy must be really fucking and funny. And honestly, he he did a lot for Portland stand-up. He, he, and, and, you know, he's doing his thing now he's doing breweries and he's doing, he, he, he's, he's doing his shows at home and he, he's got, he's got his thing, you know, 
he just you know whatever drama happened with empire but honestly you should have ian and joe here um but you (laughs) should also have like a bouncer you should have someone you want to come Dude, I would be here to watch. Them. I'm not gonna fight. I'm gonna if there is a fight, I'm gonna world star it. I'm gonna live link it. I'm gonna take videos and be like, fuck him up. That's one we'll live Well, stream. actually, I might try to help Joe because I really wouldn't want him to fuck his back up any more yeah, than it no. has already. But honestly, so honestly, you know, I I think Ian has done a lot for comedy and he kind of created he created these nights and he brought and he did the competition and he did a lot to kind of congeal this thing in comedy. And I guess, you know, it, it seems like his dick didn't fit in his jeans anymore, you know, and that was kind of the problem. But uh, but what can you do? Sometimes your dick grows. I heard a lot of stories, but like to me, that always stuck with me because like one of the first things, especially when comics talk shit about each other is uh, they'll always say the person's not even funny. So let's say it's not even funny. He's funny. not even funny. And nobody would say that. I'd be like, is he funny? Oh, yeah, he's funny. I have no idea say I'd love that. Well, but- I got to give it to him because because like Joe saw you and, and was like, keep coming back. I love what you're doing. Ian did that for me. You know, I was in my first year of comedy and and I got on stage. He's like, listen, man, you know how to stand in the light. And you can and you can deliver a punch and and you know just keep keep at it and and uh, and I'll I'll start putting you on some stuff and he did you know he brought me over to two one two he kind of put he put me on some other things I met some other people dude two one two is one of the sketchiest bars yeah yeah but he and then and then they're nice owners the owners are so nice but they gave me a drink that had like way too much alcohol in it yeah which was awesome but also like not awesome like I was just like. Whoa! It was de- it's definitely a weird room, but I mean, I I he brought he brought me on a co- podcast he did in po- Portland years ago. Like, you know, I I like Ian. I think he's done a lot. Um, it's too bad that we you know there has to be this rift in town. It's too bad that we can't all be this comedy community because it would make everybody stronger. But I've heard so much. There's always so going to be bad a, there's always going to be a black hat. I always think to myself, like, don't judge someone until you meet him. So obviously, if I ever met him, I'd just be You've like, never even met him? Never even met him. If he's I good. ever met him, I, I would I would maybe not shake his hand due to COVID, but I would treat him like anybody else. He's a good guy. But, like... I uh, like him. I've worked I've, with him a lot. I've talked so much. Yet. He's put me on stage. I've put him on stage. It's like, you know... I, you know, I've been here... I've been here long enough, and I've been doing it long enough to kind of... Did you meet Ari Shafir over there? Yeah. I... 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 I manage this production you know but I, did you like hang with them yeah yeah you suck his dick i'm kidding I, yeah it, you know it, it, it's it's so part of the production it's clean it is yeah nice yeah nice. yeah yeah you know i didn't have to Q, q-tip it out oh the fact is like i hate gatekeeping but it's in general, also but... you you came into comedy in portland when that was happening you know like that was that was the the hot topic that everybody was talking about Everyone was on it, yeah. And it just, you know, so that I feel like that's why it's fresh to you. I forget about it constantly. Like I, I'm like, oh yeah, Ian's doing his thing. It's too, you know, it's too bad there was that falling out. But now we don't even know what comedy's gonna look like when we come back. You know, we could all be begging him for dates. If if it does, yeah. Well, the beautiful thing is, um, outdoor events were cool. Yeah. Um. I think that I there are a lot of outdoor venues. I think uh, the brewery stuff is going to be the first to come back. Brewery stuff is definitely going to be cool in the summer. Yeah. Um, it, it it's interesting. Now it's like more Marcus 
seems like Marcus, I forget his name, last name, but uh, he's a pretty funny comic um, from New York, and he's kind of doing the outdoor stuff, and he's kind of a gatekeeper now. Um, Is he... In town? Is he in Portland? He's in town, yeah. Really? He's in Portland. He hosts some shows. See, I think I he's don't doing even a try, show tonight. I don't even try to get booked, so I don't know who's gatekeeping what. You know what I mean? I don't either. I actually shifted more to like TikTok and like my Instagram yeah. and also are you, Stereo. So are you trying to, you know, pursue this as a career now? Now you, you, now you love it and, and you're good at it and you like getting on stage. Are you still writing material? Oh, yeah. yeah? Dude, it's fun. To, yeah. I have a job. You know, I have a real career so that I focus on. on it, I don't need, I don't like, I. But are you pursuing it as a career? If I, it was an option? It's purely recreational. And I think by keeping it purely recreational, it's really poor, pure to me. Where like, this is my fun. Yeah. This is my time. I'm not ever thinking about it. I, I feel, I'm terrified if I ever have to live in a world where. Um, how I do during the open, how I do during a show affects my bottom line. Yeah. That, that to me is, is, is scary. Yeah. So for me, like the idea of like, this is my fun, this is my time. I can say whatever I want. And if I'm like, nobody wants to ever hear from me again, if nobody ever wants me to do a show ever again, does not affect my bottom line and I could do something else. I mean, but you're good at it and you seem, I mean, Speaking about gatekeepers, it seems like you kind of are in with some of them. You know, you are getting booked, you are getting dates. So, so, and I'm, it's not a bad thing. I'm saying it's a great thing and that this is, it, it is looking like something that's available to you if you, if you work for it. Yeah. I think when the shows come out, I'm going to be like every other comic who's going to want to get on the shows. I think the summer, I'm going to try really hard to, open myself up more to reaching out to people because yep. I was very lucky to have friends who would ask me, you know, to fill dates. Yeah. I usually most of the time would get in because Lucas would just need someone because someone dropped out yep. or like for some other reason during a show and he just plugged me in. Sure. And I would message Lucas. I actually pr- would pursue him actually and message him and be like, if you need me for a time, five minutes, 10 minutes at a late show, take me. Please. Yep. I'd love to. I love this. And I'm going to be there anyway to have fun. I'm going to be there to hang anyway. You're doing it right. And that's like the fun way to do it. But like now I don't like, it's not like there's a home now that I'm always going to be there anyway. I'm going to be at empire regardless. Cause I'm going to have fun and it's near all the other places that I like to be. And my friends are around yeah. so I can call a friend over to hang out. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. So in the summer, it'll be interesting. I'm definitely going to do shows. I have good friends in the scene, people who are truly my friends inside or outside of comedy, you know, Tim Duffy, um, Rachel, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, uh, Anders, like these are people that making, I love. They make things happen and they, they create, you know, space for people to get on stage. And, so, and they're fun. And yeah. like, I, you know, I've met Marcus. Marcus is a very nice guy. He got me on like the show that he did with Allie in their driveway. Yeah. Like I, there, there are really cool people out there who love to like. If You'll have to introduce me to Marcus. On. I'd like to meet him. He's a really cool guy. Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe he. I'm not his best friend. Like, if I ever, no, <laughs> maybe, no, no. I'm sure he'd be interested. Yeah, I'm sure he'd be. In- I'm sure as stuff comes out and it gets posted, like I'm sure there yeah. are a lot of other folks that are going to reach out. So to I'm you. not. I'm not focusing on comedy, but I want it to be a place where people can get to know comedians because I do feel like there is just such an advantage when an audience knows the comic and can relate before they before a word even comes out of their mouth. And, and I, I want to help build that. I want to help facilitate that. Oh, for sure. And, and that's really cool. 
Yeah. Um, and I always struggle to be called a comic because I still think I'm learning this. And I, I love well, it. Well, we're in such a small town. Like the comedy community, yeah, sure, it's been happening here for a long time, but now it's starting to congeal. So for somebody that hit it, you know, two years ago, three years ago, but you hit it hard and fast and 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 with purpose, you know, you're just as valued as a comedian in town as people who have been around it for 10 years. And I fully believe that whether you want to accept that or not. I, I reject it, but I thank you. I'll yeah. take the compliment. But I, I, it's so fun. It's a fun thing to do that I miss. And yeah. I think you miss too. I do. And I think during the summer, it'll be the first real test. I hope Empire comes back. Yeah. I just love that space. I love Lucas in that space too. Yeah. The way that I hope that comes he back. He protected people. That in was that, that was going to be so huge. That was on its way to like it had just turned into Empire Comedy Club. You know, it, it was, was had a good summer coming up, <sighs> and a... he he told me about names of people that yeah. he he was working on. He was always so excited. So excited because him and I, so he knows me from, from, you know, getting on, doing rap night stuff. Um, and, and so him and I talk a lot. I've come in, I, I've, I've like last minute run sound for him, you know, like I, I his door guy was, is like one of my best work workers too. Like me and Lucas got pretty tight. His and, mindset wasn't and he was about... always so excited about what he was doing there. Exactly. So I really, I really hope that has the ability to come back and I'm looking forward to seeing you when we come back. And I want to thank you very much for doing this. Mom. That's a good rap. That's yeah. a good rap. Thank you. Thank you for helping me, um, having me here and helping me. And you're helping me. I think, uh, I think I want to come back and do a podcast here. That'd yeah. Be cool. Let's and, do uh, it. Yeah. 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 Let's, let's do it till next time you have a logo though. Till Invite me back. Then. Have a better logo. Have, have a, better a care logo? bear with yeah. a star. Okay. You draw it up then. Now nah, I'm good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thanks again, brother.